His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man, they did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had a mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said to the prophet. The virgin will be with the child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him, and took Mary home as his wife. But he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. You can go into any mall, any retail store, even Publix, and it becomes pretty evident that Christmas is coming. Everywhere you go, there's Christmas decorations up, Christmas music, Christmas sales, Christmas bargains. The Christmas season is definitely here. Now, I love Christmas. I love Christmas. I love everything about it. I love the time with family. I love the music. I love the movies. It's really my favorite holiday. And as Christmas Day approaches, one question we usually hear, are you ready for Christmas? Are you ready? What this question usually means, did you finish your decorating? How about shopping? Did you finish your shopping? Baking, did you finish your baking? How's that gift wrapping going? Did you finish that yet? Did you mail out those Christmas cards? Are those done? Now all those things are good. Very good. They build family memories, their family traditions, and those are good things. But is that what really getting ready for Christmas is all about? Or does it mean something more? Today's the first Sunday of Advent. Advent is, it's just the, the coming or an arrival of something. That's what Advent is. For the church, Advent is a season of preparation. Because for thousands of years, God's people were anticipating and longing for the coming of salvation. The Lord's salvation. They were waiting thousands of years. So when we celebrate Advent, what we're really doing is reenacting and remembering that sense of anticipation of God's promise. Because that's what Christmas is about. It's about God's fulfilling his promise. See, Advent for us today is a celebration and a commemoration of Christ's first coming. But it's also a preparation for the second coming. Just as Israel longed for their Savior to come, we long today for our Savior's return. And that's what Advent for us is about. It's 
Are we ready for his return? Because he's not coming as a baby this time. He's not coming as the Savior the next time. Next time he comes, he's coming as a judge. Are we ready for that? See, one of the ways we can prepare our hearts is by looking back to the stories of Jesus' birth, those that were closest to him at that time. Because there are messages for us to prepare us. So this morning, we're going to look at Joseph. You know, an old saying goes, actions speak louder than words. That is the truth with Joseph. You know, there's not a single spoken word from Joseph in Scripture. But his actions before Jesus was born speaks volumes to us about what it means to have courage, about what it means to live out our faith, about what it means to be obedient and righteous. In the life of Joseph, what we see is that God gives courage to ordinary people. We see that God gives ordinary people things to do that are extraordinary. And God gives courage to overcome our doubts and our fears. Now to understand the courageous acts of Joseph, we actually have to understand a few things about Jewish law during that time. See, there were three stages of a marriage according to Jewish law. The first was the arrangement or the pledge. Now this usually happened between the parents of the children. The parents got together and tried to find suitable suitors for their children. And so those arrangements were made when they were real small, up maybe until about 12 or 13. And then the second step in the marriage was called the betrothal stage. And that's when the man was given legal rights over the young woman. A bride price was paid to the bride's family to seal the covenant and bind the families forever. And according to Jewish law, it was a legally binding contract. They were called husband and wife at that point. If one of them died, they would be considered a widower. But the couple wasn't allowed to live together. They had to live apart for a whole year. This was a time of coming to know one another, a time of falling in love with one another. The woman would remain with her family. And sexual relations were absolutely forbidden. In fact, if there was any sexual activity during that time, it was considered adultery. And the penalty was death by stoning. Now see, that's a bit difficult for us to really grab a hold of today. Because we live in a culture that really condones premarital sex, actually promotes it. Our culture just, that's just the way it is. Over the summer, I had heard a story of, of a mom whose son had gone off to New York. He was making his own way. He was, you know, very excited. He was, he was going on his own. And as you know, New York City, it's very expensive. And so he 
got an apartment, a rental place, with a woman. And he assured mom that we're just roommates. We're just roommates. That's all. There's nothing going on between us. And so she said, okay, fine. It's okay. And so she went up there for a weekend. She spent the weekend with them. And the mom was just feeling that, uh, I'm not sure they're just roommates. Something just doesn't feel right. But the son kept saying, no, Susan and I are roommates. There's nothing going on. So she said, okay, I believe you. So she came back home. A couple weeks later, she got a message from her son. And he said, hey, Mom, um, we've been missing uh, a silver ladle, soup ladle. It was Susan's family's silver, it was her grandmother's ladle, and we can't find it. Now, Mom, I'm not saying that you took it. Mom, I'm not saying that you didn't take it, but do you know where it might be? And so Mom writes back. And she says, well, son, she says, I'm not saying that you're sleeping with Susan. I'm not saying that you're not sleeping with Susan. But if Susan was sleeping in her own bed, she'd know where the ladle was. And that's the society that we live in. It's okay to shack up before you get married. I'm guilty. I did it. I, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to stand here and, and, and preach to you as if I'm holier than the rest of you because before I knew Jesus, I did the same thing. But I know now that God can redeem all of that. That's why God establishes laws for his people. Because when we don't follow those things that he puts in place, people get hurt. God has a better plan. The third stage of the marriage was the actual official ceremony. And that's when the couple, they, they pledged one another. They had an official ceremony and then they would be ushered off and they would actually stay for a whole week, just the two of them. That's where we get the idea of a honeymoon. And then they were officially husband and wife. They were able to consummate their marriage and the whole thing. But Joseph's story is still in that betrothal stage. They're engaged. They're in that year-long process of commitment before the official ceremony. So let's go back to Joseph's story. In verse 18, it says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Now Matthew doesn't tell us how Joseph found out that Mary was pregnant, only that he did find out. But he knew that he had not been with her, and so if she was pregnant, then the only natural conclusion that he could come to in his head 
was while she was with another man. He believed she had committed adultery. Even with Mary's explanation of what happened, which seemed completely crazy, unlikely, impossible, the only logical conclusion that Joseph could come to was adultery. She had been with another man. Now, according to law, he could obtain a certificate of divorce. But verse 19 says that Joseph was a just man. He was a righteous man. So Joseph finds himself in a bit of a dilemma. Because if he goes forth with the marriage to marry, he's condoning her adultery. He would be giving her approval for that sin. But if he divorces her publicly, then he brings shame upon her and probably death. But by divorcing her quietly, he would protect her from the public ridicule, from the public shame. Because he was a just man, he actually chose mercy over vengeance. Before God had even told him the, the real story, he had chosen to divorce her quietly. He chose mercy. That takes courage. Mercy takes courage. Because we can only imagine the emotions, the sorrow, the feelings of betrayal and anger that he had to be feeling. The woman he loved, the woman he was betrothed to, was carrying a child that wasn't his. And he responds with mercy. Because it takes courage to look beyond our own hurts and attend to the needs of the ones who hurt us. That's hard. Joseph was an ordinary man like you and me. But he was just and he was righteous. And he displayed the character of God in his life. He had the courage to be merciful even when vengeance seemed like the better option. Now they lived in a small town. The rumors, the mocking, the whispers behind their backs, those would be relentless. But Joseph chose to do the right thing, despite what other people were going to say about them. He was courageous enough to do the right thing. But then as Joseph was considering how to divorce Mary quietly in order to protect her, the angel of the Lord appears to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. Joseph, son of David. That's his title. When God reveals purpose, when he reveals his plans to you, he also reminds you of who you are in him. As followers of Christ, our identity is in Christ. We're children of God. We have confidence in our Father working through us. He's working through our circumstances to accomplish his plan. And he reminds us, Debbie, daughter of the king. Aaron, daughter of the king. That's your title. It's our confidence as children of God that gives us courage to face our doubts and fears. The angel of the Lord says, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. 
This is a momentous moment in the life of Joseph. All that he knows is just being flipped upside down. The angel of the Lord is saying, don't be afraid to do something outrageous. Do this in order to bring forth what the laws and the prophets have foretold. Don't be afraid to do something that requires more of you than you think you can give. God is asking Joseph to forsake his comfort, to forsake his understanding, to be a part of something bigger. I think we can all relate to Joseph. We like to stick with what we know. We like to stick with our tried and true ways of doing things. In our personal life, in our spiritual life, in our professional life, or even as a church, sometimes we get stuck in our ways. But do you ever hear that still small voice that's asking you to go beyond what you know? That's asking you to step out beyond your comfort zone in ways that require you to surrender more fully to God. Because that's when we experience Emmanuel. That's when we experience God with us. Because fear keeps us hostage. It keeps us from experiencing the fullness that God has for us. Throughout Scripture... We see God work out plans. In his people, before God moves and does a mighty work, they're always afraid. But the Lord always says, says to them, Do not fear, for I am with you. Abraham, do not be afraid to leave your land, for I am with you. Moses, do not be afraid to approach Pharaoh, for the Lord is with you. David, do not fear the evil around you, for the Lord your shepherd is with you. And this is what the Lord is saying to Joseph. Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. Even though it goes beyond your human understanding, the Lord is with you. And then the angel proceeds to tell Joseph the plan. God assured Joseph that he was taking care of all the details. Because when God is working out his plan, he'll work out the details. The details aren't for us to worry about. That's his job. Our job is to be obedient and to be courageous in working past our fear. Simply trusting our Heavenly Father. And that's exactly what Joseph does. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Watch this video clip.
courage that is courage they will never look at you the same she said it doesn't matter because it's to him that we answer it's to him that we get our our orders from not from each other it's from him and that's why we need our courage so we can be obedient to him because sometimes God asks us to do hard things Things that seem impossible. But he promises to never leave us. Never forsake us. That's his promise to us. We may face doubts. We may face fears about uncertainty in our future. There might be bullies taunting us. There might be hardships and struggles ahead. When we choose to do the right thing. The God thing. God may present us with circumstances that seem impossible. Circumstances that scare us. But exercising our faith always takes courage. It takes boldness to get past our fears of what if. Fears of what will people think. Fears of what if I'm wrong. We may be comfortable in our ways. But oftentimes God is calling us to bigger things. Things that we can't even imagine. But it takes courage to leave the comfortable. It takes courage to listen to God when he says, trust me. Like the angel said to Joseph. Do not be afraid. It takes courage to submit to God's will. In Joseph's story, we see God give courage to ordinary people like you and me. We see God give courage to face our doubts and fears. And we see God give courage to face the future. As we begin this season of Advent, and as we prepare our hearts and attitudes for the celebration, have the courage to speak out for him. Have the courage to stand firm for him. 
and have the courage to reach out to others for him. Have the courage to say, here I am, Lord. My life is yours, no matter what lies ahead. I trust you with every part of me. I know your plans are bigger and better than what I can do on my own. Have courage to do what he asks. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for your word. I thank you for the example of Joseph. I pray that each of us here can have courage, can grab hold of your promises, Lord. Grab hold of the idea that we are your children. We are sons and daughters of the King. And that should give us courage as we leave this place. Courage to be bold and do all that you ask, Father. Even if it's just to stop and say hello to somebody. I pray for opportunities as we leave this place. Opportunities for us to shine our light for you. In Jesus' precious and holy name, amen.